to pitch. Swing and a miss. Ducked him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Wednesday, May 10th, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you this week by the Irish Rover Station House. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. And Chet, we're doing going somewhere we've never gone before during our three years of doing this show. We're going to talk Phillies baseball and country music, and I'm fired up about it. Oh, yeah, me as well, Bill. We're going to talk about some of those great Phillies teams from 2007, 8, and 9. And the fact that our special guest, Brett Myers, is now making a name for himself in the world of country music. And let me tell you, this guy can sing a little bit. Here we go. As mentioned, our first guest tonight is former Phillies first-round draft pick, 2008 world champion and an integral part of the greatest era of Phillies baseball, now turned country singer, Brett Myers. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio, Brett. Thanks for having me, fellas. Well, Brett, I have a story to tell you to get this thing kicked off. May 1999, Legends Field in Tampa. Englewood High School is playing in the Florida State Baseball Final Four. I'm sitting in the stands with my coaching buddies. And Dallas Green is sitting five rows in front of us with your dad. About five days later, you're the 12th player picked in the first round by the Phillies. What in the world was that like? Well, I can tell you that I knew Dallas was there, and Dallas was actually a dear friend of my dad's. Uh, um, at, you know, I was you know, sorry to hear about his passing and everything like that. And, you know, it kind of hurt the family a little bit because Dallas was an integral part of me getting drafted. And uh, I had actually – thrown 120 something pitches that game and uh i could just remember i mean it was fun at legends field you know having a good you know just being around that the yankees legendary and all that other stuff and everything was crazy but uh you know to get picked by the the phillies and everything i kind of had a feeling because dallas was there they wouldn't have sent him in if they weren't very interested in me so um i was I, i didn't really know it was it was one of those things where i was 18 years old and I was just out there pitching because I, I love to compete. And I think Dallas saw that I love to compete, and he said that he had to make me the first pick, I guess. And it was all downhill from there, or, or uphill. I couldn't really tell because there was a lot of ups and downs. Sure. Well, Brett, you had quite a good career with the Phillies. What was it like 2006, 7, 8, and 9 while you were there? Especially, you know, 7, 8, and 9 when things really started to click. And, of course, you get to the postseason and then the playoffs and World Series in 08. Uh, what was that like? Well, I mean, we struggled so many years of just missing the playoffs with the wild card and pushing to try, excuse me, try to push for the wild card and everything in 05 and 06 and everything. And it was it was building, you know, the the uh, the aggression for us to want to make it not only for ourselves but for the city of Philadelphia. And then all of a sudden, in 2007, 
we pulled it off and everything, and it was like the greatest joy ever just to watch the fans' reactions and everything. I still get chills thinking about it. And then, you know, that was crazy. And then we went three and out in the playoffs, and I, I felt so disappointed because I felt like I let everybody down. I felt like I let, the, um, you know, the whole city down. And I think everybody on the team felt that way. I really do. I think we all were very irritated. And then the next year we had one goal in mind when we went to spring training. And that was to get back to the playoffs and go to the World Series. So, as a team, we kind of bonded and, and took our years past experience and put it towards that year and ultimately went back the next two years. So, we definitely learned a lot from that experience. And there's no other feeling in the world in, in, a, in sports like, I mean, I guess you could say a football player could argue with me, hockey, whatever, golf, whatever, they could argue. But to be on that grand stage there is in the playoffs, there is no better feeling in the friggin' world, man. It is unbelievable to have that adrenaline pumping through you. I mean, I was sitting at, I could tell you, I was throwing 88 to probably 91 that whole year, and all of a sudden the playoffs started, and I'm cranking it up to 93, 94. I had no idea that I was doing it. It was just, <laughs> I had that good adrenaline going. And, and Maybe the guns were juiced. I don't know. But I can just tell you, I was, I was absolutely pumped up. I remember the first inning against the Brewers. I was trying to, in 08. I was trying to throw it 100, and I couldn't. I was trying to control it the best I could. Same thing against the Dodgers and and, and everything like that. It was. It's just one of those things, man. That you you have to be. We like athletes and people that like me look for that adrenaline rush. Professional athletes and and uh, you know go getters and stuff. People out in this world, they look for that adrenaline rush. Because they, the competitive nature takes over. And I think that's the biggest thing about what happens when you see guys stepping up in the playoffs of unlikely heroes and stuff like that. It's just because that adrenaline is just pumping and they become a better player. Can you get up for a 33 starts the same way you do in the playoffs? No. Can you get up to be a closer every single night and everything like that during the season? I think you can. I I, I did. But, but but to start 33 games over the course of the year and, and have try to have that same energy and everything because you never know you wake up one morning you don't feel good you know your body's hurt and you don't feel good you go out there and try to and you don't have your best stuff but in the playoffs you can throw that out the window because mm-hmm. it, you just absolutely forget anything that was bothering you before and the adrenaline takes over and you don't feel anything and you know well, right the season. It happens that way, too, at times. You feel really good. There's times you feel really good, and there's times you don't feel so good, so you have to learn to adapt. Well, you mentioned somewhere where I was just going to go with you. You, you spent four years in a row with over 30 starts, and then in 2007, you, you basically you make the ultimate team sacrifice. You decide, or they decide, you decide together, you're going to go be a closer, and uh, you throw 51 more games. And then next year, 2008, you're back as a starter with 30, 30 more starts. Um, it, does that, I mean, that to me, as a starting pitcher, that's the, that's the ultimate sacrifice for the team. Well, I can tell you how that kind of transpired and everything. I was Pat Gillick and, and uh, came to my house to talk to me that off season and at the end of 06. And, you know, he said, hey, we got a bunch of starters coming back and everything like that. And he was saying, and they ended up signing me in my arbitration year for a couple of years. And I was like, listen, whatever you need. I mean, 
if you want to use this guy, because I said, I don't care. I'll go to the bullpen. Like, I'll go, but I want to, the only stipulation I have is I want to be the setup guy or the closer. I said, I want the ball every night. You know, and uh, he said, okay. You know, he said, all right, I appreciate that, whatever like that. And then the next thing you know, I mean, we had six, seven starters going into spring training, and I think we were doing a six-man rotation at, at one point. And, and uh, it just wasn't working, so they asked me after three, four starts to go to the bullpen, and I said, give me the ball. I'm ready. So, And I tell you what, Tom Gordon had a lot to do with that because I was setting up for him until he got hurt, and it was he, he taught me how to pitch out of the bullpen, and it was unbelievable, like just the, the experience that he, that he gave me, you know, and just in the short amount of time. Like I followed him around like a puppy dog. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then the next year they made me they made me the a starter, but I was preparing to be the closer. And then a month out of spring training, they called me up and tell me they traded for Brad Lidge. Well, I was pissed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, that, that was pissed. yeah. I heard that. So, so you say the so the ultimate the ultimate team sacrifice that I made right okay was great. You thought I made a great team sacrifice, but then I got selfish in 2008 <laughs> because I, I I was acting like a little kid because I wanted to close. Mm-hmm. Well, let, let me ask you. Well, but I didn't put the team first. I, I, I mean, I finished this real quick. I let you go. I know it's your show, but I, put, I didn't put the team first. I put myself first, and ultimately, I ended up having to go back down to the minor leagues to learn how to start again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's well, right. I was going to what ask happened? you about the uh, about being a setup guy or a closer or a starter or whatever. And it just so happened today, the Phillies got rocked again in the in the bullpen, and Benoit the. Uh, the relief pitcher, he came out after the game after getting bombed and says, you know, I pitch in the seventh one game, I pitch in the eighth the next, the ninth the next. I never know where I'm going to be, and, I, and I'm not prepared. Is that an excuse, or is that is that reality? That actually is kind of reality, man. You never know where you're going to throw, but I, I can tell you, if, like, the good thing about 08 with us, it, um, you know, we knew who we had. We knew what we were going to. You know, if the starters went five, six innings, we had everybody back there, you know. With JC, we had the left-hand specialist. You had Lidge. You had Madsen. You had Condry. You had every, we, had, we had a solid bullpen. So, with that being said, yes, it does help you to have a defined role. But if, if this was a younger guy, right, trying to stay on a team and everything like that, suck it up, man. Take the ball when they give you the ball. Mm-hmm. But if you're yep. if you're a guy that, that that they throw you in that position and that's where they want you to throw, your job is to go get out. Maybe they don't think you're the eighth inning guy. Maybe they don't think you're the ninth inning guy. You know, you can't. You, I don't think hey, you can do bullpen by committee and win. Hey Britt, one of your old uh, teammates is in Philly or was in Philly the last couple of days. He's now a backup catcher with the Seattle Mariners. That of course Carlos Ruiz. For you and your fellow pitchers, how great was Chooch to work with, and what was your relationship with him? Well, um, actually, Chooch caught my first his first big league game. He caught me. So oh, wow. it was against the Mets. It was his first game that he started. He caught me, and I remember telling him, this is how I like to do it. So let's, let's – this, this was like maybe 05 or 06, I think, was his first year. And uh, – I remember telling him exactly what I wanted to do, and he went with it. Well, then, then uh, 
you know, I had a different plan at times later in 08, and I like I always for some reason I like throwing to the backup catcher more the older I got. Because I felt like that they always put, cared about what signs they put down more than about their hitting. Because a, a starting mm-hmm. catcher has to worry about hitting and calling pitches, and every single night it's difficult, you know. And and I and I would sit there like they would they would call call pitches and stuff like that, like the way that somebody they got them out last night, you know. And I'm like I don't have the same stuff as that guy last night. This has nothing to do with huge at all. It just happens. It just so happens that. My preference, I like throwing to the backup catcher because he knew my game plan every single time and went out there and I threw the Chris Coast all through 08. But, yeah, that's right. But Chooch yeah. was, was, was amazing. He was awesome. I had nothing against the guy. Ever. Mm-hmm. I loved it. He caught me, and I'd rather him caught me uh, when he got called up there. You know? Like, I, I loved the fact that cause he was, he was that, that backup catcher that – that's what you got to do. Todd Pratt taught me. I love going to Todd Pratt. Todd Pratt worked his tail off for me to have a good game because he then if if I had a good game, then the next time he knew that manager was going to put him back there. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of one of those things. But I can't deny anything that Tooch did behind behind the plate for the Phillies organization and the guy that he is. He's just, he's probably one of the most coolest dudes. And just a funny, funny guy, man. Just has a good time all the time. <laughs> hey, Brett, of that of that bunch that you came up with that went through that that era of ball, was there anybody on that team that we couldn't do without? If we didn't have that one guy, we would never got that World Series or never got to the postseason. We lose you. Right, you still there? I think we lost him, Jet. I think we did. Bring Let's him back up. Get him back. It says he's on, so hmm, interesting. I'll tell you what. You talk a little bit, and I'll try to dial him up again. All right, ring him up, and let's see what see what happens. And for for those of you that don't know. Uh, Brett is a country music singer now, and uh, we're going to talk a lot about that as we get going once we uh, we get through with our Phillies talk, and uh, it, it should be fun. If you haven't listened to his music, uh, you can look it up. It's on uh, YouTube, uh, places like that, and I listened to a bunch of it today. It's pretty good stuff. It's old uh, when I ask him whether it's country music or southern rock, but it's uh, it's pretty good stuff. Brett, are you back with us? Oh, I'm back. Y'all hung up on me. That was rude. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what well, happened. Hey, Brett, what, I don't know what happened. What I was asking you, uh, what I was asking is, was there anybody uh, that came up through that group that you came up with uh, in that what we call the greatest era of Phillies baseball that we could not have done right. without, that we wouldn't have made the playoffs or we just wouldn't have had that run oh, if we yeah. didn't have that I'm, one guy? But without me, no, they wouldn't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just totally kidding. <laughs> um, you know what? Yeah, I got Charlie Manuel. No doubt. Really? Wow. But, yeah. Without Charlie Manuel, I don't think none of that would have happened, honestly. And uh, he was our leader, man. He let us be. He, if he, when he had to step in, he stepped in and handled the clubhouse stuff. With there was any kind of, there really wasn't much, you know, back and forth bickering or whatnot. But there's a couple times he got on our tail, you know. And y'all think Charlie's just laid back, dude? But he can, he can get PO'd at you. 
you know, and it was uh, oh yeah, it was good to have that, you know. He's he was like I look at him as a father figure, you know, just that's great. tremendous amount that's great. of respect. And I and I know everybody gave him a lot of crap all the time, good old country twang, whatever like that. But he kept that group together. There's no doubt about yep. it. We weren't playing for each other. We were playing for Charlie, you know. And Charlie taught us to play for each other. And then it just happened, you know. So he was the ultimate player manager to have, in in my opinion. So great stuff. Hey Brett, final baseball question before we talk music. Um, mm-hmm. One of your most memorable moments as a Philly happened in the 2008 NLDS against the Brewers. You got the win mm-hmm. in the game that you pitched, of course, but what everybody remembers most is what you did at the plate. I'm guessing you remember mm-hmm. that second inning, that bat against CC Sabathia. Tell me about that. I blacked out. I have no idea what happened. I was, I was, <laughs> I was somewhere else. No, honestly, I can tell you that, look, I, I came through high school and everything, and I always wanted to be a hitter. Yeah, I could pitch, and I threw hard. Actually, I was a thrower. I was never a pitcher. I didn't learn how to pitch until I probably got to the big leagues and had been around some people that helped me out a lot, you know. But I was always wanted to hit. Swing hard in case you hit it. So the the funny thing is is that I hit, like, I think I got, like, two or three hits that whole year. I mean, I was terrible. And then all of a sudden, like, he's up there, and I'm – and I go up there and think to myself, I'm like, right, I got no shot against this guy. He's throwing 98 miles an hour. What am I going to do? I was like, what am I going to do with that? And the next thing you know, like, I got up there, and it, it just looked like I saw everything very well out of his hand. And it, I didn't put much emphasis on my hitting and anything. It just kind of happened. I would say it's maybe dumb luck or something. But after I started fouling off quite a few, I'm like, I got this guy. Wow. Like, I'm going to win this thing, you know, like I, I got it, you know, and, uh, it, but that takes nothing away from him, man. Cause he was freaking nasty that night and had good stuff, man. He was throwing hard and I had no idea what I was doing. I was just battling. It was that playoff energy that, that was pushing me, you know, that I just keep trying to battle, you know, and, and, and I, and I, I love to say to people, cause they always tell me, that CC Sabathia bat was the greatest ever. I was like, yeah, I did those seven innings that night, and gave up two runs, and got the win. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, yeah. I was the pitcher, <laughs> you know. But then, but yeah, then that was what, a good night. But the funny thing was, is that after that, so I went and talked to the media after that. Funny story. And then all they talked about was that at bat. And I was like, okay, <laughs> fine, whatever. So the next time I went in, because we had to, in the playoffs, you have to do a interview. The day before you start, which I couldn't stand because I didn't like to talk to nobody the day before I start, you know. So they, they I go yep. in there and I take my bat with me. I just take it with me because I'm like, and the first thing they're going to ask me is about hitting. So I just took my bat with me being funny and I set it in there and set it on the table and they start asking me questions. I said, oh, y'all didn't want to ask him the questions first? <laughs> being, you know, being my bat, you know. So, right, right, I thought, right. and and then I and then I go out there and do another dumb thing and go three for three with three ribbies. What the hell is that? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sitting, that night, right? I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, going, and I I'm going to myself, going, what in the hell is going on? You know, cool. I, and I for people who don't remember, you, know, you you worked the walk against CC, then Shane Victorino followed with a grand slam. So in case anybody well, forgot, he, great night. But I did 
wear him out to walk Jimmy Rollins to make the bases loaded. He threw four straight balls to Jimmy. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Before exactly. that, so I don't. I'm not taking credit for that. I'm taking Jimmy takes credit for his good eye at the plate. There you <laughs> so go. I. I was just up there. I was up there trying to defend my property, which really wasn't. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just swinging in case I hit it. Well, Brett, you you played 12 years in the major leagues. You win 97 games, and then you turn to country which, music which I'm as a retirement gig. Yeah, I'm still mad about the 97. I wanted 100, but anyway, yeah. So yeah, yeah. now I'm doing the, the music thing, and I tell you what, maybe. When I first started this music thing, I was like, you know what? I got some some ideas for songs and stuff like that, and got with a buddy of mine that was in Puddle of Mud, and uh, he's a producer now and does a lot of TV cues and and uh, does a lot of movies and stuff like that. And he he's a producer, you know. So I hit him up and I said, hey, I got a couple of ideas for songs I wanted to do. And I didn't know if you'd do this thing or whatnot, and and uh, he's like, yeah, let's play some golf and we'll talk about it. Well. I, I gave him a couple ideas, and he's like, okay, well, let's write a song together. So we did one song, and the next thing you know, next thing you know, we're, we're I'm in the studio recording an EP. And I, I, I just wanted to do it for myself at first, but this guy's telling me, like, I'm skeptical of people. He's telling me at first, and he's like, dude, you're really good. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just so so like I wrote the songs. I wrote the song. We wrote the songs together, and then and then I said you're gonna sing them because he was a lead singer in his band that was signed when they were 18 years old, Burn Season, and and I said you're gonna sing them. You're the lead singer. And he goes, No, I'm not. You are. And I said, No, I'm not. Like we argued for two weeks. We already had two, three songs written, music and everything to it, and he and he's telling me that I'm the singer. And we argued for oh, two, hang two on. and a half weeks. Sorry. Hang on one second. got to play a little clip of one of, one of my favorites uh, that you did from your uh, okay. last album. You're welcome. This is what? Beer Cation. One of mine, too. Oh. On That's good stuff, How right? many of us don't want to do that every weekend? Well, I tell you what, man, that that uh that song right there was was I, I, I there's a story behind every song I got. We could be on the phone for hours, man. There's a song, song I mean, I got a story behind every song, but I was actually on vacation with my wife and kids and we were in an RV with four dogs and four kids. And um basically me and my wife were just Drinking beer all the time because we were getting driven nuts because it was raining outside and we had dogs and they ain't small dogs you know and RV parks don't have big old yards for these dogs just to run in so um, and uh, our kids couldn't go outside and leave us alone or walk the dogs or anything so we just were drinking in the RV the whole time and I said we're on a beercation <laughs> you know so, <laughs> because it was supposed to be our yeah, so it was supposed to be our vacation, which we were doing. You know, we we uh, went up to Philly and everything like that. And uh, you know, we started going to Virginia. My daughter rides horses, so she, that's where we headed. Took it there, then went to Philly, and then came back through North Carolina and everything like that. And uh, then vacation came about when we got to North Carolina because we started in Virginia, ended up in Philly, come back through. On our way back, I was ready to just kill them all. You know. 
So, <laughs> so the beer occasion came about Brett, then. I was, I was looking at the titles on your uh, first two releases. Uh, some of them include Kegerator, right. I Need a Drink, Beer right. Hand Strong, and then right. last year, Beer Cation. I'm guessing you enjoy a cold beer one or two or three uh, times a, a, yeah. you know, a week at least. Yeah, I, I do. And uh, the, the funny the funny thing is is that I've tried on this new album and, and even the second album, tried not to sing about beer, but it's just so easy to sing about. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I'm not yeah. the type of guy that's going to sit there and sing about, like, I took a girl through a cornfield and we made out and, and uh, she cleaned my boots for me or I cleaned her boots or whatever, you know. Like, I mean, I, I wanted to write feel-good songs that people could, could go out on the boat and drink beer or on on the weekend. I wrote weekend songs, you know. I wrote the build-up to – what I try to write is the build-up to the weekend. Give something people to look forward to, you know, the positive well, energy Brett, stuff. Like, Go ahead. Because you mentioned it, you know, the weekend, and you, you've embraced the whole redneck thing. You just released a brand-new song that's going to be on your next album. And here's a little bit of weekend redneck. All right, so that's supposed to be my beer case and sequel. Okay. Huh? So, well, hey, Brad, I, I looked it, uh, at, like Chet, like Chet, I looked at all these titles, and and Chet happened to miss Yoga Pants, that I thought was an interesting uh, yeah. one as well. But, but, uh, yeah. but we have uh, we have this uh, Southern rock, country music, beer partying right. kind of guy, and then we have yeah. this song called Saddle Girl, where there's oh, some God. young lady in there singing with you. <laughs> Who uh, I think has daddy wrapped around her finger. Pretty, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> she. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, yeah, that's a great so, song. I appreciate it. I, I actually, uh, I had to like twist her arm to get her to do it because there was this thing she did. I don't know if you remember this cups song or something that everybody was yeah. doing with the cups or something like that. That. And, and, yeah, Anna and uh, my, Right. Whatever. Whatever it is. Well, my daughter was doing it one day and we were videoing it. And she didn't know we were videoing it, and then I posted it on on Facebook. And 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 everybody was like, "Oh my God, she's freaking talented as hell!" Right? So I didn't pay no attention to it. She was probably this was 2013. So it took me two years to get her to like. I, she would come back to the studio room or our band room and just sing karaoke stuff like Carrie Underwood, and I'd be like, "Oh my God, like she can really well." But every time I opened the door, she'd throw the mic on the ground. <laughs> so I had to listen right, to the how, door. How old so is she? You, you, you she's 14 that now. 16. She's 14. 14. Yeah, okay. she, yeah, she was 13 when she when she did that. Because so, her birthday is Jan- in January. So she's she's 14. So the deal was, I told her, I so I reposted that clip of her doing that cup song. And I said, if I get over 200 likes, you're doing a song with me. Okay. So it got well, it got hear, over let's hear about 12 or 13 seconds. This, this is her. She's good, man. I like that. She is good. Yeah, she's so, good. 
So, hey, Brent, so where where can the listeners uh, get this music? We found a bunch of it just by Googling. Is it, uh, what, yeah, what is it's, the best it's way to hunt you down? Well, the best way to buy it would be iTunes, Google Play, Amazon. You can get it on Spotify. Well, you can get my second album on Spotify. It, everything's on YouTube. I mean, I put it out for everybody to listen to it. I mean, you can go anywhere and listen to it. It's on every social uh it's on my social media. It's on, it's on every every place you can buy your music digitally. It should be on Apple Music and stuff like that. So, we 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 mass put it out. We're doing all this by ourselves, but you know, this next album we're about to put out is going to kick both of those other albums' ass, in my opinion. I'm always trying to better. And your myself. website is so brettmyersmusic.com for people who want to check it out. Right. Yeah, and they can go listen to the new song Weekend Redneck on there. And it's for free, but they need subscribe to my webpage for any updates and everything like that for future shows and all that stuff. We update it every day. So we actually have a couple shows coming up, and it's going to be pretty badass, if you ask me, just because I'm still that adrenaline junkie and want to get in front of people, even though I'm about ready to crap my pants when I'm on stage. <laughs> Well, let me, but it's that I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you, Brad, in closing out. Are you? Um, where are you doing shows? You you said you lived in the Jacksonville area. Do you stay right. pretty local, or do you travel? Well, we did a show in Tampa. We opened we opened for Colt Ford. I've I've uh, played the Jacksonville Arena here, which was pretty cool. And I've I've, I've pretty much uh, have stayed here for the most part. But we are uh, playing. I'm trying to play most of the big venues here in Jacksonville first before I start venturing out. But I'm trying to get to Philly. I just need one of those big time places like the Fillmore or something like that. Yeah. There you go. Why not, right? Why not? Hey, Brett. All right, Brett. Well, we lose them again. I think we did. Hopefully he gets back on, or we can at least thank him and for for joining us. Do you want to try him real quick? Yeah, that is. Uh, yeah, I do. We got to say you know, formally say goodbye to him. You know. Sure. Yeah, that was that was good music though. Real yeah, good. Must be might be that might be that cell phone up in the Jacksonville woods on a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> hey Brett, you back with us? I don't now, know what see, happened, that's but on. you back. I'm here, but that's on y'all's end, okay? Come on now. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't know. we got to fire that British lady. That's right. right. She, she, well, hey, Brad, we, we certainly we used up more of your time than we were supposed to, but we certainly enjoyed the heck out of it. And uh, we, if you get a chance, we'd like to have you get back with us another time. Anytime. Just give me a holler anytime. Just hit me up, and uh, I'm ready to go. Whenever All, y'all right. All right. Hey, good that, luck get on that, that new album out. We can't stuff. wait. Appreciate it, guys. Thank thanks, you. Brett. All right, thanks, Brett. Take All care. Right. Have a good one. All right, good stuff. All right, Bill. Chat. That was Boy, a lot of fun. That, that was a lot fun. Of fun. That was fun. Yes, it was. All right, hey, let's hey, talk great... about the Irish Rover Station House. It's Mother's I Day. Just gonna do that. You got it, Bill. Do you want a great place to grab some food, have a couple of beers with your pals? Brett would like that. I have just the place: the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorn, Bucks County. The Irish Rover has a terrific atmosphere, daily food and drink specials, a spacious dining area, extensive beer list, and menu items from burgers and gourmet wings to filet mignon. Lots of big screen TVs too. DJ Johnny is there this Friday night. The band Well Strung at the Rover on Saturday. And be sure to make your reservations right away for Sunday's Mother's Day brunch. Space is limited. Call 267 560 
4240 to book. The Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn. All right, Chet. Now, we got a little more music, and you're going to have to educate me on your buddy, Willie Nile. I, I know he's a singer, but uh, what's he doing as a guest on Philly Press Box Radio? <laughs> Uh, here's the deal. Willie Nile, Bill, is a singer-songwriter who's been making terrific music since 1980. He's toured with The Who, shared bills with other respected artists like Lucinda Williams and The Alarm, and he's shared the stage on numerous occasions with your favorite, Bruce Springsteen. Honest to God. One of my favorites is Willie Nile, and even though rock critics always love his stuff, he's still, in my opinion, very underrated in the music world. Great musician, a terrific storyteller, and incredibly personable, as you'll hear in this interview. And yes, we even talk a little baseball. That's how I you know, made the pitch to get him on the show. I said we had to talk a little sports, and he is, in fact, a baseball fan. So, you ready to hear a little Willie Nile? Tell me, let's learn about Willie. Chet from Philly Press Talks Radio, spending a few minutes with singer-songwriter Willie Nile. Willie, you were born in Buffalo, home to the Bills, Sabres, and back in the 70s, the NBA's Buffalo Braves, Bob McAdoo and those guys. I remember that well. Yeah, yeah. But you've lived most of your adult life in New York City, so are you a sports fan, and who do you root for? I am a sports fan. Growing up in Buffalo, you know, you root for the Bills, and the only TV baseball you got was the Yankees. Every Saturday, uh, you'd get Dizzy Dean announcing the Yankees. So I saw Mickey Mantle and uh, Roger Maris, Yogi Berra, the Yanks coming up. And one time, we went to Fenway Park to see the Boston Red Sox play the Yanks in 1961. Wow. We were on vacation. My dad took us to a game. So I'm out in right field, the only Yankee fan in the place yelling for the Yanks, and they, want, they wanted to kill me. They wanted to go, who's this little twerp? And the first inning, Madeline Maris had back-to-back home run. Wow. Whitey Ford pitched. It was a great game. So, you know, actually, I've taken my father. Dad's 99, and he grew up a mad sports fan, mad baseball. So I'm taking my dad to uh, Cooperstown. We're going to get a tour of the Baseball Hall of Fame. I can't wait. That is awesome. Now, Philly has a lot of rabid fans when it comes to sports and music. You've played the they Philly sure, area? They yeah. sure do have a lot of yeah. rabid fans, yeah. On down to Philly where they know the score. Pittsburgh, D.C., Ohio. Tell me, Brody, baby, do you want to go on an American ride? You've played Philly a lot, the Tin Angel several times, World Cafe Live over in Jersey and Bordentown at a couple of spots. Yep. How have Philly area fans treated you? Oh, really good. I mean, they're rock and roll fans. You know, I've been to the arena there numerous times to see shows. I saw Bruce there a couple of times. You know, it's one of the hotbeds of rock and roll, you know, from the Philly sound from the old days. And the Hooters are good buddies of mine. Oh, you know, yeah. Rob and Eric, I know those guys really well. I love the Hooters. Love Philly. Food's good. It's a classy city. Everything about it. On June 23rd, you're releasing a new album, this time a covers album called Positively Bob. Why an album for Bob Dylan covers? Last year I did a, uh, it was Bob Dylan's 75th birthday, and they asked me in New York at a club called City Winery, would I come and do four Dylan songs to close the show? And I went, let me think about it. So I went home and looked at his website and looked at all the songs, and I thought, well, if I could find four songs that I could bring something to have fun with and it surely did and it was so much fun and those songs there's so many great songs that you just don't hear you know hard rains are gonna fall love mine is zero no limit you don't hear those songs on the radio so i thought i'm gonna i'm gonna record this and uh if nothing else my grandchildren will be turned on to bob Dylan. so it was a labor of love and a total blast to do it it comes out june 23rd yeah, that's righteous. We had a great time doing it. And as with a couple of previous albums, your fans helped you cover the production costs of the new album through oh, yeah. 
pledge music. Your fans are pretty awesome. The fans are really awesome and they're really hardcore. Well, they, they believe I only do this because it means something to me. You know, I, I'm not going through the motions. I'm not looking to be an American Idol. That's not my goal. I love music and uh, I figure, well, if it means something to me, inspires me, maybe it'll mean something to somebody else. So that's why I do it. And when that stops, I'll stop playing. That'll never stop because at the age I am now, I'm more inspired than ever. Having a great time doing it. And finally, Willie, speaking of awesome, this September 1st, you're playing a little pregame concert at Yankee Stadium. That's oh, pretty special, isn't I would Isn't that think. wild? Yeah, yeah. I got uh, contacted by uh, Little Steven's Underground Garage. Little Steven's a good buddy. He's been so supportive of the records I've been making, and uh, we're pals. They asked me if I wanted to play Yankee Stadium. They do an Underground Garage thing. I think they do eight or nine Fridays, something like that. Mm -hmm. And did I have a Friday when I want to do it? And I said, yeah, I sure would. I'd love to do that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. that in a minute so I'm looking forward to playing Yankee Stadium <laughs> you know I sang I uh, went to see Springsteen 2003 to say hello and he was playing Chase Stadium and it was the end of the tour I ended up going two nights and he called me on stage I was on stage for half an hour in Chase Stadium and one of the encores was Twist and Shout and the Beatles played oh, yeah. Twist and Shout there and I was on mic with Nils Lofgren and it was no it was Steven and I was thinking about the Beatles I mean, it's been a pretty interesting journey so yeah from Shea Stadium now to Yankee Stadium what's next I don't know <laughs> <laughs> great stuff if you don't know Willie Nile check him out on the web at willienile.com or on Amazon or iTunes I can tell you you will love what you hear Willie thanks for visiting Philly Press Box Radio thanks for having me Chad bless your heart buddy Hey, that's good stuff, Chet. Willie is awesome. I've seen Willie uh, in concert 10 or 11 times, and then I've seen him another five or six times at, like, record store appearances where he'll just, you know, play a couple of songs and, you know, promote his new album. So I saw him twice in Bordentown last month. I'll see him again in Asbury Park in June. I love Willie Nile. 68 years old and his dad's 99. That's good bloodlines right there. Good, good stuff. Yeah, how about that? Yep. All right, Chad. Hey, last week we were going to talk Phillies uh, this week, we said, and I'm going to tell you, I'm hopping mad about this bullpen situation, my friend. This this town ran Ruben tomorrow out of here, and Matt Clintac has been given a pass so far, as far as I'm concerned. I'm not buying it. This team has blown five or six games already. Again, today they give up eight runs after uh, playing 3-3 three, three through seven or through six, and I had about enough of this mess. Yeah, Brett Myers, we should have asked him if he could still pitch a little bit because they could use him in the bullpen, I'm telling you. Uh, that pen is atrocious. During that horrendous seventh inning in the afternoon loss to the Mariners, I was listening on the radio while working, and Scott Fransky asked Larry Anderson what should be done with the bullpen. And L.A. paused for several seconds and then said, hang on, let me finish my prayer. That's L.A. for you. Uh, I'll tell you, they could use some sort of divine intervention. And, yes, Klintak should be taking a task for what he's assembled here. Now, to his credit, you know, he did try to bring some guys in, and a lot of writers actually thought the pen would be a strength this season. Hasn't worked out that way. Oh, but get this. As, as you noted, Benoit, after the game, said, you know, in a game in which he gave up five earned runs, that he had the nerve to complain that it's tough to, you know, know when you're going to be used and guys need to know what their role is. Well, Joaquin, here's my advice. Pitch better if you possibly can. So Pete McCannon knows that he can count on you to get somebody out. Let me give you those numbers from the afternoon loss to uh, the Mariners Wednesday. Benoit, Ramos, and Jake Thompson, three innings, one strikeout, six walks, eight earned runs, 74 pitches, 36 strikes, 38 balls. I know pitchers are creatures of habit, but are you kidding me? 
obviously, like you, Bill, I'm a little ticked off about this god-awful bullpen situation. Uh, oh, it's atrocious. I mean, this team is 13-19. and 19. There, There's at least, let, let's be conservative and say four, but it's probably closer to six games that they had in hand that they let it let get away from them. So if you flip four of those, now you're 17 and 15, you know, or, or even or even 19 and 13. If you're 19 and 13, you're one game out of first place. I mean, they're, they're certainly not that good of a team, you know, but they've been in positions to win games, and their they're regular players, you know, position players have been playing halfway decent. Yeah, now t- Tuesday night they lost after blowing four run leads twice. You know, and poor Jared Eikhoff, normally he doesn't get much run support. Tuesday night he wasn't very sharp himself, and he got hit around, but the offense was clicking, and the bullpen you know, couldn't hold a four-run lead. Twice they blew a big lead. And you know, then Wednesday afternoon with Chooch getting the big blow, um, Phillies lose again. So, yeah, it- it's tough times for the Phillies right now. But on the optimistic side of things, Aaron Altair has been on fire. Three-run homers in three straight games, 10 RBI over the last three games. That, that's going to be a situation when Kendrick's ready to come back. You've got to keep Altair in the lineup. Oh, absolutely. If he's hot, you know, you got to go with him. And, and the same with Cesar. Cesar's played pretty darn good ball, I, I can't believe. But he is, uh, what, he's hitting up in the 330s, and uh, every day he's a consistent hitter for him. Yeah, and Tommy Joseph's starting to hit a little bit finally. Uh, now, Franco was coming on strong. He had a good week and a half, two weeks. And then all, all of a sudden, over the last five days or so, he can't buy a hit, and he's just not looking like he's focused. So he got the day off against the Mariners Wednesday afternoon. Uh, he's got to get his act together again. So long way to go, but uh, that bullpen, something's got to be done there. Well, and, and I think we knew that you know we were going to have to be patient with this, but I don't think this is what we thought. I don't think we thought we would be in games going into the seventh inning, eighth inning, ninth inning, and then kicking them every every night. You know, I think we yeah. thought we just weren't going to be quite this good, and and when they're playing, they're playing better and they're playing decent, and then they can't hold a lead. Yeah, we were disappointed in Neris. Neris looked very good last year as a setup man, and uh, this year he's very inconsistent. He's having trouble, you know, locating his pitches and. Just not getting the job done. I think the only guy out of the bullpen who has been consistently good is Nishak. Everybody else has been uh, something of a train wreck. Yep. Well, hey, on a uh, on a better note, let's talk another note. We talked last week about Chase Utley's woes. This week we had Ryan Howard being cut from his minor league contract. Jason Worth was in town wrecking havoc on the Phillies over the weekend. Chooch, as you mentioned, returns to town as a mariner. Cole Hamels goes on the DL in Texas. There's been a lot of activity regarding that 2018. Yeah, bummer about Hamels, who's going to be out for a while. Worth continues to terrorize the Phils every time the Nats come to Philly, and he plays against his former club. Utley and Ruiz are obviously very near the end. Chooch's bases loaded double Wednesday afternoon notwithstanding. And, yeah, Ryan Howard maybe just maybe done for good now. So it's certainly nearing the end of that great era for all those guys. Yeah, you know, Chooch, even with his one for four, he did have four RBIs today, is still hitting just 129. So I would say the end is certainly near for him if he makes it through the season. Uh, some rumblings with him being back in town that maybe Coach Ruiz sounds pretty good come next year. But uh, we'll have to see how that goes. Hey, hey, by the way, you mentioned Chooch. Uh, last year we talked about the Phillies catchers, 
and we were talking about you know which one was the best. Well, coincidentally, Glenn Mack now wrote about that on Sunday, and then CSN did a little poll on Tuesday, and in both cases, the the voting showed that the fans think Carlos Ruiz is the best Phillies catcher of the last 40 years. Ruiz getting like 41% in the uh, Glenn Macknell poll, Dutch Dalton 32%, Bob Boone 22%. Meanwhile, in the CSN poll, it was 52% for Chooch, 26% for Dalton, 22% for Boone. So the fans do love Ruiz, but keep in mind, you know, it's a lot of young people on Twitter, and they're most familiar with Carlos, so that probably plays into it as well. Yeah, and I think Glenn Glenn actually made a clarification in his. I, I saw his. I didn't see the other one, but uh, – you know that many of the voters probably never saw Bob Boone play. So yeah, it, there, there's that too. Not everybody's old like you and me. Yeah, no kidding. Well, hey, we mentioned <laughs> last week, but we didn't get to it. The Flyers had some ping pong luck and slid from number 13 to the number two pick in the upcoming lottery draft. Yet, and Ron Hextall says this changes everything. And we've seen it with guys like Crosby and Connor McDavid, Patrick Sharp, and others that. One guy can change a franchise direction. Could this be the luck the Flyers have been looking for? Hey, we can hope, right? Picking second is a whole lot better than picking unlucky 13th. Hextall is pretty pumped up about it. He said he, he said he jumped off his couch when the news came down. The bad news, this year's draft isn't as top-heavy as last year's talent-wise when Austin Matthews and Patrick Lane were selected, but it's still pretty good with two quality forwards right there for the taking for the Devils at number one and the Flyers at number two. There's Switzerland's Nico Hischier and Nolan Patrick from Manitoba. Um, they both put up some gaudy numbers over uh, the past year in juniors, so they should certainly, you know, be getting the guy, the Flyers I'm talking about, who can step in and play either, you know, this year or certainly the next year. And coupled with the other guys in their system, the Flyers should absolutely be a better team than they were last year, although there's still a one big bugaboo, and that is who's the goalie. Well, you won't get off that goalie thing, but, uh, you know, they have a couple guys down in the farm that are, are looking pretty good. But what I'm looking for at this point, I'm looking for somebody going to turn that light on on a regular basis and be a, be a game changer because we just haven't had that guy. And, you know, Wayne Simmons, that is 30-plus goals, and that, that's about it. Uh, we, we got a lot of young defensemen that are ready to come, you know, come up to the big show. Uh, but goodness, we got to score goals. Yeah, well, both of these guys can certainly score goals. Nolan Patrick, the guy from Manitoba, six-two, one ninety-eight. He had twenty goals and forty-six points in thirty-three games for the Brandon Wheat Kings this past season. The other guy from Switzerland, Hischer, is a little smaller. He's six foot one seventy-four, so not quite as uh, you know big as Patrick. Uh, he played at Halifax this past year. Check out these numbers: fifty-seven games, thirty-eight goals, forty-eight assists for 86 points. Now, that is in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, but still, those are some pretty impressive numbers, so uh, he's got some talent. Well, looking forward to, to see which one of the two we get. It seems like it could be a flip-flop that, you know, not sure who the Devils are going to take. So we'll see how that goes. More Probably more interesting is who ends up being the odd man out. We, we saw an article says Sean Couturier was going to be that guy. Um, you know, we've seen people saying it's time to get rid of Claude Giroux. I don't see that happening because Not he probably isn't going anywhere. But, uh, you know, somebody's going to go, and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. If this kid can come in day one and, and make the big team. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I definitely think they're going to be a better team in the season ahead. 
Um, you know, they're under some pressure with what happened this past year, not making the playoffs after making the postseason in Hackstall's first season. And speaking of playoffs, I haven't watched any yet, but after we're done tonight, I'm going to turn on a little hockey action for a Game 7 because I love Game 7s. Penguins and Caps, I hate both teams, but somebody's got to win, you know? Well, you know, and I told you I wasn't going to watch the playoffs and I don't really care about them, but I will fess up and say I did watch Game 6. And uh-huh. with the with the well, just because there was really nothing else on, and the more the Penguins were getting beat, the more interested I got in the game. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm going to tune in tonight myself, and uh, I'm going to root for the Caps. I, I don't really have rooting interest, but uh, there's nothing like Game Seven in hockey playoff action. So I'm looking forward to it. I agree with you, and there's nothing like Sidney Crosby losing. hey one other thing and uh you know you certainly don't win super bowls in may but now you've had a chance to digest the free agent signing the eagles draft we we heard from jack mccaffrey last week uh, along with many of the other locals who you know talk about the eagles as part of their their livelihood and where do you think they line up today if 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 we're going to play today with the changes that have been made, what do you see? And now, and, and that doesn't even count these knuckleheads talking about holding out. We'll get to that. Yeah, don't worry about Brandon Graham. He's not going to hold out. That, that's just some speculation on some people's part. Brandon Graham's going to be there. Don't worry about that. Still too early to say, though, otherwise, too many question marks at this point, especially at running back and obviously cornerback. That cornerback situation is scary, Bill. Let me ask you this. The Vegas over-under numbers came out the other day, betting numbers in terms of you know, wins for the upcoming season. Interestingly, Dallas is down to nine and a half after winning 13 games last season. Hmm, nine and a half for Dallas. The Giants at nine. The Redskins seven and a half, and our Eagles 8.5. So, eight and a half. What do you think, Bill? Over or under eight and a half wins for the Birds? Over or under eight and a half. Um, I want to say over. I want to hmm. say over. Sitting here in May. I'm going to say there's no reason they can't go from 7-9 and nine to 9-7. Nine and seven. Yeah, put a gun to my head, I would say over, too, because I think they are going to be a better team um, now that they've got some weapons, at least for Carson Wentz. You know, it's going to be his second year, so he's got a little more confidence, a little more experience. I think the O-line should be better. Not that it was terrible last year, but it should be better, assuming Lane Johnson doesn't uh, you know, take any funky medicine. Um, yeah, I think they can go up two wins for sure and improve to nine and seven. The schedule concerns me, but if I had to put a number out there right now, I would say nine wins, and so I would take the over. Yeah, I, w- I want to see how things sort out as we get a little closer. Obviously, like we say, we're talking in May here, but I want to see how things sort out. Dallas lost a bunch of players. Um, the Redskins lost both their starting wide receivers. The Giants have some issues as well, so. You know, I don't know that the division got that much better. Um, I don't know that we've gotten that much better at this point, but we do have a a quarterback that's going to be better, I I feel pretty sure, with the receivers they've added. But, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. And that's – I I don't think Dallas is going to run away and hide, and I don't think – I'm not all the way sold on the whole Dak Prescott, even though he had a great year. He, he had a lot of things that went his way last year. Let's see how he does in year two. Yeah, we're hoping Wentz improves, but that Prescott has a little sophomore slump. That's right. That's right. Well, hey, Chad, another milestone on our website, 15,000 visitors. So 
We want to, again, thank each and every one of those that visits. PhillyPressBoxRadio.com. We continue to keep it updated with articles from local papers and a few that we write. You can listen to all of our shows and also the Vimeos from our guests, our show guests, um, and even a photo section, a list of the websites of our guests to you for easy access. Check out all of our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, LuLaRoe, Taylor & Heather, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com. Just go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, and click on each of their displays to transfer to their website. Great stuff. Yeah, we do appreciate we do appreciate everyone who checks out the website, and of course, all of you who listen to our weekly show, either live or later on via a podcast. Yep, and you know what was our uh, our kickoff date was uh, October sixth, was it not? October fifth, I believe. October fifth. So uh, we're we're about six or seven months in, and fifteen thousand visitors, and uh, that's that's pretty cool, pretty good stuff, and hopefully we're uh, keeping it interesting for the for the people to look at. We try. All right. Hey, Chet, I think you have another surprise for me and the listeners. And uh, so tell me who's lined up this week uh, for next week. Well, next week, Bill, although the flyer season ended, seems like months ago, it was really only, I guess, three weeks or whatever, we're going to talk hockey with a Flyers legend, a two-time Stanley Cup champion, a former coach, the team's all-time leading goal scorer, and second all-time leader in points, one of their most popular players ever also, and by the way, a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame, making his first appearance with us, the great Bill Barber. And by the way, thanks to our buddy Swit, Steve Switgwitz, for helping us out with this one. And Swit is promoting a signing appearance next month involving Bill Barber that we'll tell you more about next week when Billy joins us here on the show. So in addition to Bill Barber, we will know what the ping pong balls had to say about the NBA draft order and whether the Sixers have one or two high draft picks and exactly where they will pick. So we have lots to talk about next week, basketball and hockey with Bill Barber. Wow, that's cool. And let me think really quick, scan my brain. Bill Barber is our first Hall of Famer, uh, sports Hall of Famer. Is that correct? Besides Ray? Wow. Wow. I think. That's, that's a good question. Other than Judy Arnold. <laughs> and Ray Didinger. Yeah. Well, yeah, Ray Didinger. Yeah. Bergie's not in the Hall of Fame, right? Nope, nope. Nope. Hmm. How about that? We got a Hall of Famer. We got a Hall of Famer. Very good. Boy, add it to the list and uh you know he's gonna be a great guest and a class act. Can't wait to can't wait to talk to Billy Barber. You you got it going on, Chet. You're working you're working the uh <laughs> the avenues and you keep getting the guests, my friend. I'll tell you, we got All a busy right. summer lineup. I I got a lot of guests in the pipeline, so uh stay tuned. We're gonna have some fun this summer. All right. And, Dave, Chet, I'll just toss out a little teaser that, uh, you know, you're going to be off for some school awards here uh, the first week of June. And uh, I've got something lined up for that week that I think our listeners are going to like as well. So we'll just stay tuned for the June 7th show announcement. A little surprise. I did not know that. Okay, cool. Nope, just trying to pull it together today, and I think we're uh, we're going to be in business. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, hey, uh, Mr. Chesco, I do not have a, have a parting shot today, but do you? I do. As the NBA playoffs plot along to a near-certain finals rematch between the Cavs and Warriors, it made me recall the very first NBA finals that I watched closely, a matchup of a very different Warriors team and our own Philadelphia 76ers 50 years ago. The West champion San Francisco Warriors were led by Hall of Famers Rick Barry and Nate Thurmond. 
And Jeff Mullins and Al Adels were no slouches either. But the 76ers were in a whole different league, figuratively speaking. I was a nine-year-old kid at the time, but even then I knew it long before the playoffs began. That 1966-67 Sixers team was pretty special. Four players landed in the Hall of Fame, and the team under first-year coach Alex Hannum cruised to a then-best-ever 68-13 and regular season record. Hal Greer, Chet Walker, and sixth man Billy Cunningham averaged 22, 19, and 18.5 points per game, respectively. And, of course, there was that guy in the middle, Wilt, who not only averaged 24 points, but 24 rebounds and 8 assists per game. Not bad for a 7-1 center. The team averaged over 125 points a game. It's no wonder that 50 years later, that Sixers team is still considered among the very best in NBA history. Oh, the Sixers won that finals four games to two over the Warriors, and I have been a Sixers fan ever since. Well, and if you're still a Sixers fan after what you've seen for the last five years, you are a true (laughs) Sixers fan. (laughs) You got it, pal. All right, my friend. Any other quick uh, notes for you while we have about uh, one minute? Oh, you know, I had something, and of course I wrote it down, and then I forgot where I put the thing that I wrote it on. So I got nothing else. Just have a great week. All and right. Come well, back next week and have Bill Harper. All right. Let's shut it down. We are at the top of the hour anyway. Let's thank our special guest, Brett Myers, Willie Nile, Irish Rover Station House, Lula Road, Taylor and Heather, and Bob Sullivan's Like Your Age Dot com for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chechesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, May 17th at 7 p.m., when Hall of Famer Bill Barber joins us. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. High hopes. Philadelphia sports fans. I'd like to say thank you on behalf of the group and ourselves. I hope we pass the audition. <laughs>